Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of the Vitamin C's podcast, proud part of the CLNS Media Network. And I am kicking it today with my boy, Wayne Breezy Brown. And we're going to be catching up on everything that's happened over the past few days. Celtics big win in game one against the Atlanta Hawks. Updates on Jalen Brown and just having a look overall at the playoff picture. Uh, there's been a couple different things that have stirred over the couple few days in between our last episode and now, including some big injuries that might change the overall structure in the East. Before we get into it, though, Wayne, how are we doing today, man? I know it's a little rainy, but <laughs> it is a little rainy over here. But I mean, all in all, I'm great, man. Uh, we're one to know as of right now. Play again soon. Leave on tomorrow night. I was really trying to get out there. I'm trying to see if I can get out there for tomorrow's game. But I'm super excited, man. I'm, I'm excited what I watched in game one against the Atlanta Hawks. I feel like the Celtics are just on they're on an award tour. Like, they're on a vengeance, man. If you look at the way they came out and at the way that they finished, right? So, you know, it's not always about how you start, but I'm glad we started off red hot. But it's always how you finish, and they finished red hot. So that's a good thing. And we'll, we'll talk about the middle of the game, how it kind of went down. But the Celtics are up. Basketball is looking great. The playoffs, to me, Tim, look like they're in conference championship form. Like, every team is playing a conference finals right now. Like, that's what it looks like. Yeah, there's some really close battles, more cl- closer than I thought they would be, right? So um, just looking like, across the NBA at some of these outcomes, right? You know, um, we had the Knicks beat the Cavaliers 101 to 97. What a crazy um, game that was. Crazy game. Um, and then you had the Kings narrowly beat the Warriors. That was a really good game. Um, so big clutch plays there. Lakers beat the Grizzlies. You saw John Morant get hurt in that one, so that's not good. Um, we will touch upon that a little bit. And also Anthony Davis, I think he's got a shoulder stinger, left the game, came back in. Um, I think he's going to – he's a expected yeah, he's, to participate. He's fine. He's, he's, fine. he's, he's fine. It's Anthony Davis. Listen, the he's, moment he – first of all, I'm like, how you get hurt in the air again? Like nobody even touched him. Like I don't even know what he touched. It's like he, he touched – He got like tugged in it. No. It, that's that's he, what they said. I don't know. It, it was on the – so if where did you get the stinger? On the ground or in the air? Because on the ground, it looked like the, the arm got kind of like locked unless he tried to pull up with force. I don't know, man. But he did, he did leave the game, and luckily he came back because he's the reason why the Lakers won that game. Yeah, and I think he's a big – factor there obviously they gave up so many assets to get him and he's so crucial to their plan so him staying healthy has to be one of their big priorities it's like 1a 1b with him and lebron trying to stay fresh uh, we saw the miami heat beat the bucks both of those teams dealing with some kind of injury tyler harrow breaks his hand and then you have Giannis Antetokounmpo uh getting hurt on a drive very similar to what happened with John Morant. There's been a lot of discourse, and we will touch upon that today. Clippers beat the Suns 115-110. to 110. That was also a really good game. Uh, Star Russell Westbrook come up with some really big clutch plays at the end of that match. Did not shoot well, but besides the shooting from the field, he actually looked all right. He was like 3 of 19, but everything else looked good. Um, just making all of the hustle plays, moving the ball around, and the energy that he brought. So... To see the Clippers do that, especially when they don't have Paul George and they are not expected to have Paul George for the entirety of the first round of the playoffs is pretty impressive. So good for them. And then Nuggets and 76ers uh, both took care of business. 76ers beat the Nets 121 to 101, one of the bigger, higher scoring games. Besides that, the Nuggets going ahead and pummeling the Timberwolves 109 to 80. So they got it rough. Uh, We've got game two of the Philly series tonight. Um, that's going to be a 7.30 tip-off. Tonight, we are recording on a Monday, so 
by the time this pod drops, we'll know the outcome of that game. And we also have game two of the Warriors and Kings tonight, um, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time tip-off, because it's, of course, a West Coast game, so nightmare. And the Celtics will be, by the time this episode drops, be tipping off 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday uh, in game two, uh, also at TD Garden. So going into that game two, right now I feel pretty good. I think that game one was really kind of setting the tone. I think we sort of saw what this team is capable of when they're firing in all cylinders. And they came out swinging, man. They didn't shoot great from three. They were damn near 40%, but they didn't shoot as high of a volume as you thought they would have. Um, only 33 attempts, 13 to 33 from the field. So all in all, like pretty damn solid. And jumped out to as big as a 32-point lead. Going into the, I think going into the half was at 30 or 32. I want to say it might have been just been 30, 30 going into halftime, which is still gross. You know, Atlanta's no joke. I still want to, I don't want to talk down on an opponent because granted they're in the spot where they're at, but they still have a lot of offensive talent. I think that's kind of where their game lies, but it's the three point shooting and their shots just weren't falling. And I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was weird, right? Um, can you, can you put weight into that? You know, can you, can, you can't depend on that happening in game two. I don't know. I mean, you you have to look at them. They're going to come out shooting again. They're not a great three-point shooting team, but, like, none of their shots. Like, Trey Young couldn't hit shots. Like, they, they did get a couple a little later on in the game. They hit a few or whatnot, but they were really taking those shots and, and trying to, you know, find their rhythm and shooting and things like that. They were able to get to the paint, get to the rim. Uh, how many points did they have in the paint? They had enough. 54 points in the paint. So they were they were getting to the paint. Um and that's that was the way they they were they were scoring. The only thing is this like the the Celtics, you know, defense they we capitalized. We were able to rebound. Remember that was one of our issues going into the game. We were able to get some of those defensive rebounds and things like that and we were able to score off of those points. I mean, but you can't expect the the Hawks to be to miss that many threes again. So if they come out shooting again, Let's see what happens. I think the Hawks don't want to lose going back home down 0-2. So I'm sure they're going to have a tighter game plan. Maybe game one was more that feel-out game. They were trying to see if their shots would fall or whatever or not. For me, the Celtics just got to come out and continue to do what they were doing. They're clearly the better team. Regardless of how well at the Atlanta Hawks play, the Celtics are just the better team. And they got to act like they're the better team for 48 minutes of basketball. They can't take their foot off the gas. They can't do silly things. Yeah, we had a 32-point lead at once, and that at, it didn't happen until that second half where they just started thinking that they can continue to build on that lead by shooting threes and things like that. No, keep driving to the paint. Keep getting those uh those easy buckets on the inside. They couldn't stop us on the inside either. We have 54 points in the paint as well. So, so at the end of the day, for me, I just want to see the Celtics continue to play smart basketball. We had too many turnovers, in my opinion, too many silly turnovers. Let me put the word silly in front of it, Tim, because that's what I saw, like dumb turnovers. And, you know, this is this should be. Uh, a sweep. It should be. And I, and I said that at the, the very first podcast before the playoffs start, just because the team that we're playing, this is the matchup that the Celtics wanted. They got the matchup. Now they need to go ahead and put this matchup to bed. And the rebounding battle was key. They out-rebounded Atlanta 58-45, to 45, which was a lot more space than I expected them to 
half because Clint Capella went beast mode in that uh, playing game against Miami, against Bam Adebayo. But Boston did a great job hustling, getting after the ball, you know, playing with pace. Uh, the one thing I would say is Atlanta really worked on the fast break points. They had 17 fast break points. Um, so that was pretty damn good. Uh, only had a two point lead at one point in the game. And then it was pretty much, it was just after the races for the Celtics and they overall, they, they looked good. Uh, you worry a little bit about Jalen's hand. Uh, he did end up re-injuring it, left the game briefly. Apparently, the way that he described it was that it split open or burst open, which is a really graphic way to describe a hand injury where you got a cut, but didn't get stitches or anything like that. Was at practice again uh, on Monday, shooting around, didn't have any issues, didn't need any more like stitches or anything like that. So that's a sigh of relief for everybody. But Based on the way that he played, still really solid. 29 points, 12 of 23 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, uh, 12 rebounds as well. Both him and Jason Tatum had double-doubles, and they were massive, massively important to how the team was rebounding. They set the tone right off the bat. Marcus Smart credited Jalen Brown and his effort uh, to start the game. Had that steal to begin the game. just in, And it did set the tone. Set you the need tone. that intensity, man. It's, you it, need it, it. It set the tone, Tim. It set the tone. It set the tone. And then the finish, it set the tone. And that's what you want. And that, how cool was it that Jalen Brown got it? First game back from the hand injury. Uh, and, and he sets the tone just like that. I wonder how much his hand does affect his shooting. He did hit a couple big shots in this game. But you saw, like, you know he likes to take that mid-range shot. Kind of were falling flat a little bit on some of his attempts. Uh, and so I'm wondering how much the pain... And that's what he talked about, like, pregame, you know. It's like, hey, man, it's not bad. It's just that it hurts. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, if he could find a way – and I, I don't even think it's more of a, of a pain issue. It's just a freaking cut in the middle of your hand. You're there's nothing you could do about it. it. Yeah. You're just really – it's just in the back of your mind you, every you, single time you do something. It's going to affect you can't do anything it. about exactly. it. Exactly. I think the that's, what, that's yeah. what it is, man. That's, that's what it is. It's like getting a, a, a paper cut like 100 times in the same spot or you biting said that your before. I remember, right. yeah, it's the You ever worst. bit your tongue once? You're like, I'm never going to bite my tongue again. And then you bite it in the same spot again and again. That's what it's like when he's playing basketball. So there's really nothing he could do about it. But um, he still played well. Like, <laughs> Jalen Brown still played well, uh, in my opinion. Finished with 29 points. Um, scored the highest. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Brown is a godsend, I tell you. So going into game two, uh, I'm hoping that his hand is a little bit, you know, I'm hoping it's healing but it's going to be really hard to heal if you're use, using your your hand. And so um, we'll see how it plays. I think the more he gets comfortable in playing with the, with the hand uh, contusion or whatever you want to call the injury on his hand. The a laceration. A laceration. Let's get the correct term. The more, he, the more he gets comfortable playing with the laceration, the more his mind will start to settle in and the more you'll see him be back to his, uh, his, his super form. Uh, did you hear this, though? Uh, was that Richard Jefferson calling the the broadcast in this in that game one? I felt like it was Richard Jefferson. It was Richard Jefferson, but I did not listen to that broadcast. You're smart, so don't I ever listen, listen to the to home that. broadcast. As soon as yes. I, 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 so I got Hulu TV, right? I've got don't Hulu ever Live. Listen to the other broadcasts, bro. When you when you click into Hulu Live, right? You click on a game because it'll advertise like whatever sports games are on. You'd be like, yeah, Celtics versus whoever, and you can click on it. And what happens is if it's a national TV game, mm-hmm. instead of going to the local broadcast first, like the one that if you just click the button to watch it right off the bat, 
it sends you to the national broadcast. And so it flipped over to that and the game hadn't started yet, but I just saw, I just saw Richard Jefferson and I was just like, Oh no, nah, I'm not watching this. And I was like, do we got, do we got NBC sports Boston? Okay, great. I'm, I'm switching over. I'm not doing this. It's respect, not Re- respect <laughs> to you and, and to all the Bostonians out there. You're smart. Right. But I don't have, I can't do that I'm from Connecticut. Right. So I'm listening to Richard and Richard said something to me that I don't think any, Anybody else heard but me because I was I was I was listening for somebody to acknowledge he called Jalen Brown an all NBA player, bro. Okay, he's earned a couple brownie points in my book for that. Okay, he called him an all NBA (laughs) player on national television. That means he voted for him if he's got a vote. And I I didn't even know he could vote. All I, I know he, is I think he has a vote. I want okay. to say he does. Because it, it does come down to the, the media, the media votes, right? Yeah. Bro. I think, he, I think he's got the right to vote on that. Yeah. Bro, when I heard that, I was like, okay, somebody is paying attention to what Jalen Brown is doing. And I'm hoping it's not just Richard Jefferson. I, I guarantee you, Jalen Brown is a talking head in the NBA right now. I mean, he should be. I we we've talked about it so many times before, but that kind of performance, him gutting it out, and he said as much too. It was my team needed me, you know, the city needed me, and he showed up. and I thought it was awesome that he was wearing some Bill Russell shoes. I don't know if you saw those or had a chance to look at that. They're they're really nice looking. If you can pull them up, have a look at them. They should be on Twitter. Uh, but he had like a nice little tribute to Bill Russell, which I thought was great. And in terms of how he played with that hand injury, the only thing that is really noticeable was the turnovers. He had six turnovers, but I don't, I really don't hold it against them. Cause look, everyone's kind of slandered Jalen Brown and his handle. And I get it. Uh, I think he took a massive step back after getting that uh, surgery on his wrist. And so I think so much of his time has been trying to get back to what he had before. You just having a look at him at the shoes. Them Jones is fire, bro. Yeah, they're That's nice, custom they? artwork too. Oh yeah, no, he got those done nice. Those are those are absolutely custom. I don't know yeah. who the artist is. Souls but... by Sir on Instagram. Yeah, well, definitely worth checking him out. But yeah, just some amazing shoes, and I I love the fact that he did that and the way that he spoke about everything after the game and gutting it out. I think this is just another example of why Jalen is so important to the culture of this team and why I have a lot of respect for what he's doing both on and off the court. So I'm hoping we see him back to full strength sooner rather than later, but I don't expect it in game two. I do want to see how comfortable he is though. Like they, they clearly are trying to see, you know, like what's his pain threshold? How is he shooting? How is he handling the ball? I think that's the one thing I would look out for, you know, is he going to be handling the ball as much as he did in game one? Or is it going to be situations where you're letting other people create for him or, you know, it's, was it going to be like seven seconds or less kind of thing where it's he's not going to be expected to handle the ball much or I, I, it's just little things. I don't know I, how they I, kind of reduce that strain, right? I well, I, I do want to talk a little bit about our coach, and I, I thought he did a damn good job in managing the players and the minutes. You want to talk about a shorter rotation? This was the shortest rotation I've ever seen. I mean, there was Sam Hauser got minutes and Malcolm Brockman got minutes. And Robert Williams, that was your bench. That was your rotation. It was those three guys rotating. And how amazing was Robert Williams in this game? He looked good. He looked really good. finisher and protector. Like, that's what we need. I'm at this point, Tim, where Robert Williams can come off the bench for the rest of his career 
and give me that. Like that, like I know y'all want him to start, but I kind of want him to last throughout the, the remainder of his career. And yep. so if he can play with those hops and be that effective around the rim, he had blocked shots. This dude was amazing. He was full of energy and nobody was getting past him. He changed up the trajectory of so many different shots. It wasn't even funny. He was definitely a key person, a key cog uh, in the game. Malcolm Brogdon didn't play too well, in my opinion, because I don't know. I don't know what it was. I I, I don't know what it was from Malcolm Brogdon. It just wasn't his game, not game one. He'll have a game, though. Yeah, I think it was more so like offensively he wasn't having the best game. It just doesn't look as much. I mean, overall, plus minus, that that's going to be skewed for this game for pretty much everybody. Um, just because the team did so well uh, for most of the game. Uh, overall, I'm not going to worry about it too much for Malcolm. One of six from the field, 0 of three from three, three or four from the line. So he was getting to the hoop, uh, five rebounds, two assists. Uh, so it's not like he was turning the ball over a lot. Uh, didn't have a ton of fouls, only two on the night. And he did so over about 20 minutes and 30 seconds, 21, 26. So, Pretty solid, and it's kind of crazy when you look at the rotations. Like you said, they only had those three bench guys, and even then, like Hauser played eleven minutes, Rob played damn near twenty-two, and that's what you had. Grant Williams, DNP, and that's the that's the one that actually sticks out to me because you really didn't know what you were going to be getting out of Mike Muscala. You didn't know how they were going to insert him in there when Rob's healthy, and if he's coming off the bench, uh, that kind of limits the need for a guy like Luke Cornett. You don't know if you're going to see any Blake Griffin minutes unless it's for him to just come in there, you know, be physical, add a presence, take some charges or something like that. I think he will do that at some point. He will make an impact uh, with that kind of skill set just because that's that's the savvy veteran who comes in and makes a big play when you need it. I think that he'll end up doing that at some point, but a very, very tight rotation. It's an eight-man rotation right there. Eight men, yeah. You wonder if it changes in game two. Like, does it? What What's I, going on with Grant? Is <laughs> a DMP? Well, I, I don't think anything is going on. I just don't think, as far as matchups, I don't think you you needed him um, because you wanted to get the the other Williams brother in there, right? So you wanted to make yeah. sure Robert Williams was getting his his minutes allocated properly. And how effective was he on the court? What was he? Robert Williams? He was a minus seven, but like. He finished with 12 points, and so he was very effective just being on the court, and I don't think they necessarily needed Grant Williams to stretch the floor. I felt like they were handling those bigs. I mean, their bigs did finish in the paint with predominantly. That's how they were scoring, bro. Uh, like and they, that, got that, out, they got out and running, and I think that made a difference as yeah, well. Because the three it. ball wasn't there. They shot 5 of 29 from the th- from the three-point range. Yeah. So I'm, they were I'm not, not shooting well. <laughs> no. And, and 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 listen, I, I don't expect them to shoot well, period. They weren't a great three-point shooting team anyway. But here's the thing. At some point, like, Sadiq Bey is going to have a game because that's what he does against the Boston Celtics. It probably oh, yeah. won't happen until the game three in Atlanta, but expect him to have a game. You know, expect Trey Young to have a game and get these calls and and things like that. But dang, man, you Bogdanovich told me Bogdanovich too. Bogdanovich as and well. He's a bucket. You you better talk. You better talk. That, that expect them to have a game. And they're Celtic killers. Literally, any Bogdanovich just is a pain in the ass for the Celtics. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and so like expect them to have a game. Sadiq Bay, Bogdanovich. But I do, you did mention something on our pre-show when we did the show before the game. You were talking about our guards, and I did not realize the size 
of our guards and how much of a pain in the patootie they were going to be for Trey Young. And that's the key. Like, our guards got to keep themselves out of foul trouble. Jalen Brown got to stop taking dumb fouls. Like, if you got two fouls, just let everybody, just let them do what they want. Like, don't get the third one. Like, and so just a little tighten up the 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 smarter sense of playing basketball. Celtics know how to play basketball. They know how to play with these eight guys. Uh, and they just need to go out there and continue to execute. And I thought the Celtics did really well. I'm not trying to bad badger them, but there's different definitely areas they can improve in. Again, they had a 32-point lead. Their whole team should have been benched, but no, they kept fighting. So the Hawks were resilient, and they kept fighting back. And, you know, it trimmed the lead down to maybe single digits at one point in the game. But then, like I said, the Celtics figured out a way how to close out the game. And so they started off hot. Uh, they kind of cooled down. They went into, like, what was that cruise control mode? And yeah. then they, they took their feet off the cruise control, put their feet back on the gas. And that's how the Celtics ended up closing out this game. Yeah, it, I feel like I've heard this sort of rhetoric put out there before, but if a team ever builds up that kind of lead early, the likelihood that that lead is intact the entire game the whole way is just unrealistic. But it's a matter of how you answer those runs, and I think they did a good job in that. You know, you see Atlanta carve it down. All of a sudden, it's, you know, an 8-0 run by Atlanta. Then Boston answers and builds it back up to double digits. So they had a couple moments in the game, especially late, where they were able to hold them, you know, at arm's length. And neutralize Trey Young. Trey Young did not have a good game against them. So I'm interested to see what happens in game two, how Atlanta approaches that. Quinn Snyder is still a very respectable coach. So it'd be interesting to see how they answer that and kind of move forward. But around the league, there's been a – I want to touch on this stuff because I think it's really important. There's been a slew of different injuries, both in the East and Western conferences. We saw a couple different upsets that we touched upon as we were getting ready um, to get into things today. But – Looking at that series between Miami and Milwaukee, Tyler Harrow breaks his hand. Um, he's out four to six weeks, as you said. So you're looking at missing a massive chunk of the playoffs if they continue to progress further. And I think Giannis Antetokounmpo, he fell on a charge attempt. Um, so everyone's kind of freaking out about that. And it ties into the jaw too. injury, right? Yeah, he came he came down hard. Um, so he went up to drive and put his knee into Kevin Love's chest and kind of just fell and landed square on his back. Uh, last thing I saw was that the X-rays were negative, and I think they're waiting That's to take good. MRIs. So yeah, I, I, by all means, I want to make sure that guys are hurt, um, not hurt. I want them to be okay. <laughs> to clarify, but looking at how that series is going, in my opinion. Those two teams are just going to beat the crap out of each other. And if that's what it is, what you want, want, right? So, like, (laughs) and that's tough. Like, you you see that happening. And obviously, it sucks for Miami. If they somehow manage to move past this, they're going to have to do it without one of their better offensive players, one of their key cogs and sharpshooters in Tyler Harrow. That's, That's a huge blow. And I honestly think, you know what? And I'll say this now I think, one, I think if Giannis misses like a game or maybe even two, uh, I think Miami wins this because I think he's just that important to what they do. And I think Jimmy Butler is just that much of a playoff menace that he's going to be able to go in and steal another game. Them stealing game one in Milwaukee after that injuries for both teams was huge. Um, 
taking a road. It's basically whoever wins a road game first. That's how these that's, playoff that's series go. Play, yeah. So if you can take whoever wins a road game first and takes care of business at home, like that's it. So being able to do that as the uh, as the eight seed in that situation was huge for them. I am not confident that either of those teams, if they're seriously dealing with injuries, like if if Giannis's issue continues past this round, my hot take is is whoever wins that series is not moving past round two. That's that is my hot take. That is the hottest take that I've had in a long time. That's a great hot take. That's a great hot take. It depends though because it's a matchup thing, right? And so Giannis, if they win, they would get oh they would get Embiid. Yeah. No, they wouldn't. So, um, Celtics will face the winners of the Nets oh the Philadelphia series. Yeah, yeah. So they would the get six. The they would get winner of four and five. It'd be Knicks or Cavs. Yeah. So they would get. Oh man, those are those are tough. physical teams. Those are physical teams. So, yeah. well, and well, younger too. Well, well good, I don't know good, about the Knicks, but the, the, Cavs well, I mean, yeah. The good news is, uh, it's optimistic that he's going to play, and so uh, for Giannis and for um, uh, Morant. Like, there's optimism that those guys are going to be okay. Right now, it's probably a bruise, and it probably hurts like a mug, and blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. They didn't break anything. So that's good news, right? The question is, how much, like you said earlier, is the pain going to nag them? Is it going to be in their head? Are they going to be able to physically get, mentally get through the physicality of the pain and get out there and play? Because you want those stars on the court, man, because I'm going to keep it honest with you. Watching that game... Without Giannis on the Bucks, that junk kind of was boring. It was just, it's just. Not, it takes the venom out of it. It was all the venom was gone. Now, don't get it twisted. Chris Middleton had the game of his life, but like Brooke Lopez looked like he looked bad, and, and they just didn't have, you know, without Giannis there, it, you can tell it was going to be a problem. Now Miami's going to have to continue to shoot as well as they did in that game, and I don't know if they can repeat that. Like I don't know if that's their mo, but. I told you Jimmy Butler was going to be a problem. People don't listen to me, man. Oh, they, 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 you don't got to worry about the heat. The heat ain't, <laughs> Jimmy Butler and the playoffs is a different Jimmy up. Butler. They play up to the competition. 100%. He's a different animal, man. He's scary in the playoffs. He's not a guy that I would want to go against. But uh, one thing on Giannis too, by the way, um, cause this got put out about 15, 20 minutes ago. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, this is from NBI on ESPN, uh, received an MRI on his injured back that came back clean. Coach Mike Budenholzer said Monday. Um, the update comes one day after he left the court with a lower back contusion. So MRI is clean. So hopefully he'll be all right moving forward. Um, just took a really painful fall. And as for John Morant, I know it's kind that of was, waiting to see what's going to happen. That was ugly too. His was more nasty looking then it got caught underneath him it's the same hand that's already hurt and then after he was holding it my first thought was that it was some kind of ligament issue or a broken wrist it was bad so i mean it it was another instance and the same thing happened with Giannis, where he drove up to the hoop anthony davis was there waiting for him um and slid in to take the charge now it wasn't a situation where he was in the air and then got undercut this was the same situation where there was an offensive player driving to the hoop with the full intent of putting whoever was going to be in his way to the grave. On a po- yeah, exactly. On a poster, <laughs> add him to the graveyard, man. Like added notches to the bat. Like, you know, like gangs of New York was like, this one's you right here, right here. This one's you. It just, it felt like that. And look, it, 
it sucks that these guys are getting hurt, but there's been so much discourse around charges now. You you understand how difficult it is to be an NBA defender these days. You literally can't make contact. You can't make any kind of it's impossible. It, it's it, really difficult to. I, I I thought a charge was when the defensive player gives up their body, sets their feet in that area, and boom, they get hit, and then they get awarded the 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 charge. I feel like the it's changing. It's shifting. It's I don't know what a charge is anymore. Well, the problem with it is is that you've got people complaining about, oh, well, the offensive player, you know, players are getting hurt. Like, we need to look at this and all that stuff. Look, Jason Tatum got called for an offensive foul earlier in the season and had a situation where he re-aggravated his wrist injury oh. because because the defender slid in front of him. And it wasn't it wasn't a charge. Like, it shouldn't have been called an offensive foul, but it was. Because the guy, the defender was not in position in time, but Tatum got hurt on that, and we didn't hear a single peep about it. But now it happens to it happens to Ja, and obviously that sucks. But it happened with Giannis too. But like, look, it's one thing if the defender's not in the right position, but saying that you need to get rid of charges completely entirely just seems so stupid. And it's already difficult enough for an NBA defender to play defense. The league has been so slanted, so one-sided towards helping offensive players. Literally, Giannis half-back dives on plays. He <laughs> he literally trucks through dudes Yo, constantly. He, and he he and then if you look at Giannis, he gets extra steps back, so he he starts deeper, so he can build up all the full steam ahead. He may put a spin in there. He's definitely traveling on every play. He may hit you with a, a Euro travel type of, of thing to avoid the contact. But, man, it must be scary to defend a guy like Giannis coming at you at however many miles power he's coming. I mean, <laughs> remember how LeBron used to be? It's that, but bigger. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's like it, real big muscle frame like Giannis is just if, if it was rookie sorry, Giannis we wouldn't care because he was a pencil but it's not rookie Giannis this is this is grown-ass man Giannis right here bro it's dangerous right and so like <laughs> as much as it's dangerous for offensive players but like no one's making the offensive player get up in the air like that right and, and do what they're doing look right. the defenders in the place they have a, a right to be there they're set they're not like shifting around. It's not, again, not a situation where someone's getting undercut. Like the defender is in the proper defensive positioning. They're not, you know, inside the circle. They're allowed to be there. And for offensive players to just go ahead and throw their bodies around willy nilly and then they end up getting hurt, it sucks. I'm not, again, acknowledging the fact that injuries suck and it makes the playoffs worse and less enjoyable. But those kind of injuries need to, there needs to be a level of accountability from the offensive player. How many times have we talked about John Morant risking his body like with these like these dunk attempts and you see him go up for him and you're like, Listen, one of these days, you got to worry about how you're going to land, man. You're going to hurt yourself or somebody so else. Maybe it was the other day. Maybe I was I promise you I was having this conversation with someone. I was saying to them, you know, maybe just maybe he's going to change the way he played because I watched Michael Jordan do it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Jordan would try to dunk on everybody until he got, like, clothesline fouled, upside down, uppercut it, and he was just like, I'm going to learn how to shoot three-point shots <laughs> and change the game that way. So, so Jaws going to have to figure it out. You can't bang on everybody, man. Sometimes it's cool to get a poster, but, man, listen, you got a long career ahead of you, Ja. 
and you need that hand, and Memphis needs you. I, I don't know what to tell him. I seen it too. I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. That's a you big guy. You knew it was guy. coming. He you was talking was over a mountain. <laughs> like it was a mountain in front of him. I don't know. I love it though. I love I, yo basketball. I love posters, but I just don't want people to get hurt. Hurt, right? <laughs> Playoff basketball is on a whole nother level, man. I, th- I, I actually watched. I watched the majority. I watched maybe six out of the eight games. Like literally, like I, because I was between travel and being at a show, whatever. Basketball has been fun to watch so far in the playoffs, and there's only been one game. So. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be plenty more to go, and I know John Morant right now, his status is in jeopardy for Game Two on Wednesday. So that's going to be big because if the Lakers go up two zero and Jaws out for extended time, it was the same way I felt about if you know if Giannis misses time, if Giannis ends up missing a game ever, you know, you really question how that team's going to operate without him. It's the same thing. This is like you're talking about MVP caliber players and. What happens to the team when those guys go down? Um, so that's why the playoffs are so important. That's why depth is important. And it's why the Celtics have been able to get to where they are and be able to stay this fresh is because of the depth that they have. But besides that, I don't know if I've got too much to add today. Do you got anything before we wrap up? No, man, this was pretty much good and pretty much spot on. I'm excited for game two. I expect the Celtics to do what they do, baby. Yes, sir. So we'll be back at it um, after that game wraps up. Other than that, thank you guys for joining us for another episode of Vitamin C's. Again, part of the CLNS Media Network, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston and get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet.